Welcome back to Podside, everyone. Uh, we have the gang is all here. Let's just say that. I don't know why I said we have the gang is all here. <laughs> but the gang is all here. Uh, please feel free to introduce yourselves. I'm Carlo, of course. Who else is on here with me, folks? I'm Kurt. Hey, Chris. Pete. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, oh, I missed shit. it. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Oh. I, well, you know, my beer didn't hiss at all. <laughs> it just kind of fell off, like, uh, unimpressively. So long as it works. I, I did hear your, your bottle cap rattle around there, uh, I'll pour it up to the microphone. Maybe that'll come through. There we go. Woo. There we go. You can always burp later. <laughs> How uncouth. <laughs> Podcast chug session. Um so yeah, uh, so I, I I decided to do a um, a brand new uh, beer run for a brand new year, um, and uh, we're just going to get together and just shoot the shit a little bit and uh, talk about our upcoming read along, um, which I think everyone's on board. It's um, it's Watership Down, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's it's going to be the book of the new sun. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today, and uh, I don't know. Uh, has anyone? I mean, I'm going to guess Pete. You've read these before, right? Yeah, all the way through. Um, I I'm going to say no because I'm uncertain, and usually I'm <laughs> uncertain because I fizzle out and then convince myself I did. <laughs> 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 that's an interesting uh that, that is an interesting defensive mechanism yeah, you gotta know your brain <laughs> um, <laughs> did i read that i don't know um <laughs> say yes say yes you fool you must um, have <laughs> <laughs> uh so i i i do have to say that i've read the first of the four um at least i want to say this is probably going to be my third time hmm and then I, uh, I I was able to get into Claw the Conciliator uh, the time before this, I believe. And then something happened. I don't know. I just set it aside. I don't know exactly what it was. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I'm going to try to uh, push myself uh, right here on air, folks, to finish the series. Um, there we go. Excellent. Chris. This, these are going to be brand new to me. I, I have not read a single word that Gene Wolfe has written. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I am looking forward to diving in for sure. Same. I haven't read anything by Gene Wolfe. I haven't. I, I know nothing about these apart from that the art looks cool. Yeah. And uh, Gene Wolfe kind of looks like a like a stage uh, magician from, <laughs> from the Look, 80s. Uh, and I mean that he, in a complimentary way. And yes, I will tell yes. you that... Uh, my my uncle is a stage magician. Oh um, hell yeah! From the eighties. No, 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 no. He's actually <laughs> from, from, from before the eighties. He's probably been been doing it uh, since the eighties at, at least, and he has the curly mustache and everything. Nice. Well, yeah. So, I mean, Gene Wolfe's um, picture on the Wikipedia page. Uh, rest in peace, King. Uh, by the yeah. way. Um, but uh, I will say that uh, he he does look very pleased with himself. He's in a tux, uh, but that does not um, make me think uh, that he would not have been a excellent uh, Doctor Robotnik. He looks uh, avuncular. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he looks like uh, Dr. Robotnik's uh, successful cousin or yeah. brother. <laughs> and yeah. it, also, you know why his uh, brother was, was successful, right? Because he's, he's know, also he, a doctor, but he's like a... He's like a dentist or something. And so- <laughs> uh, well, no, no. He 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 invented uh, the machinery that uh, made Pringles, and that's made him much more happy with his contributions in life. I got gotcha. it. I get it. I get it. He, I get he, it he also maybe looks like uh, like uh, Poirot's like ne'er do well brother, who like is like <laughs> kind of adjacent to the mob. And why like- are we dunking on Gene Wolfe, who by all <laughs> <laughs> seems to be a delightful person and a good author? <laughs> I think part of the problem is he sounds like a cameo X Men character from the early '80s, and that's hard to get over. Gene Wolfe. Gene Wolfe. It's it's a it's a live field character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, so, so I was just catching up uh, on some struggle session episodes the other night, and um, I happened to listen to one that they just put out uh, about the beginning of Image Comics. And, oh, Image and, Comics, yeah, that, yes, that was a good one. Very much so. Uh, there could have been a character called Gene Wolfe in any of those, except for maybe <laughs> Savage Dragon. I feel like wouldn't have fit, but, but what Wildcats one hundred percent. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Young blood, definitely. <laughs> oh, and yes. C- while we're on that, congrats to the Image College staff for unionizing. Pass. Oh uh, yeah, yes. That's sincerely that's yes. fantastic. So, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is the very first comic book publisher in the U.S. who is unionized, right? I don't I th- know. I'm not yeah, sure. I don't know. Um, I-, I can't think of any other that might have that might even be close to that. I know that Image is unique in that. Um, basically like their be, because of their structure, their employees basically uh, like, basically like their 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 creative people are basically not not employees. Right. Yeah. This, uh, this is like all so yeah, yeah this, this is just is like, all, like the production staff. and office yeah. and like distribution people. And I know that a big sticking point, um at least I don't know if it was like a sticking point, sticking point, but like it became a public talking point was people griping about like, well, how come these non-creative people want to be able to basically they they said that um, I think that one of the one of the conditions that they were lobbying for was that, you know, b- by a vote. Uh, they should be able to like I, I think it was like stop stop production or stop distribution of like something that that you know was like racist sexist blah 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 right um right. and and it wasn't even like arbitrary it was like it was like if something is you know judged to be racist sexist transphobic you know whatever it it it, it might be shitty um that you know they would be able to basically essentially say well you know we don't have to distribute it we're not going to do it um and and a, a bunch of people kind of threw a fit about it and said oh well they're not how come non-creative you know workers should have any say over creative work and it's like well I- i'm sure that most of them would probably love to be create you know part of the creative process but that's you know th- they don't they don't have the luxury of of being so but the company depends upon them and yeah. so they should have a voice in what's you know as as the majority of the company uh, they should have a voice in in what the company is distributing. Certainly. Well, well yeah. I, I mean, mean, also, also, just the plain fact that what if your creative is a shithead? Yeah, yeah. and is yeah. like a transphobe well, or whatever. You know. Oh yeah. Well, so I, I, yeah. I mean, particularly because you know they're Image Comics employees, and those comics are published as Image Comics. So, like, 
you know, it's not, it's not as if you, they could say, you know, when you go around telling people you work for image comics and it's, you know, if you if your employer published, you know, a shitty transphobic work and shit like, or something like that, like you, you want to be proud of the shit you do and not like have to hide it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, and I do know, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but I think he's like a big, he's like an image comic. Um, I don't know if he was a founder or one of the founders or whatever, but he, he has a book coming out now and he decided to not put any of the staff credits in his book, mm-hmm. which is apparently like, you know, up to the uh, creator of the certain book. But like, that's, but like, that's kind of shitty, right? It's like, um, like the, the yeah, people who, who, who would have voted for to, to unionize, he, he did not put them in the book. Oh, interesting. Yeah, D- did he did he by any chance uh, credit John Galt? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny. It, it, isn't it funny how like um, rich people, you know, ideologically demand credit for basically like n- not even having an idea, like telling somebody to do an idea that they didn't have. Yeah, you know, like that's 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 like. But there are multiple Ayn Rand novels based around the idea of like we really need we we don't give enough credit to rich people, um, <laughs> and, and but but it's like as soon as you know workers say well actually you know we should get not even like not even like credit just like we should get a you know a, a bare minimum of decent treatment it's like oh well no 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 like the rich can go on strike yes certainly but you know unionizing the little people <laughs> no 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 no. So. Who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> a billionaire? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is sort of great. I mean, it's, it's exactly that. Also, it's, it's, it is one of the more noxious aspects of uh, like this Randian philosophy that, oh, well, you know, the creative, you know, oh, the creative. It's like, motherfucker, like he could have just like seen someone else's work and be like, ah. Oh, I got an idea. I'm going to improve. Well, like I'm going to add a dongle to this particular yes. uh, design. And now it's, it's absolutely new. I mean, uh, welcome to the, to the modern day R and D departments of especially big pharma. Uh, but go ahead, Pete. Yeah. Oh no. I was just saying that, that as, as a libertarian, I sort of feel like you guys are getting off track here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you want to talk about uh, proper cons- ages of consent? <laughs> Actually, it's a femophilia. <laughs> I knew you were going to come back with that one. So let's. So so let me let me let me uh, let me uh, grab the. Well, trains don't have steering wheels, but let me grab let me grab the throttle. Oh yeah. Okay, the conch. I was trying to use a train metaphor. Um. So so Carlo and Pete, as as ones who have read. Uh, Gene Wolf, or Gene Wolf, as we shall be referring to him, or at least I shall be mentally re- referring to him from now on. Sell me on the book of the New Sun, and and by by extension, sell our listeners slash hopeful future co readers along with this presumably wonderful work of science fiction. Uh, Pete, you want to go ahead? Um, I mean, I could go ahead. It's fine. Uh, why don't you go ahead and I follow up? That'll give me a chance to sound prepared. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, uh, folks, um, have you ever wanted to read an entire narrative that ha- is layered with metaphor, is set on a the distant past or the distant future of a dying, slowly dying, but not yet dead planet? A a a perhaps 
an extended uh, journey that is both buildings, Ro- buildings Roman and um, sort of a passion play. Uh, boy, do I have the four um, books for you. Is it the first uh, four books of the Dune series? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does seem to... Uh, I you know what uh, it does feel very uh, dense in that same fashion, like the 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 world itself and how it's presented uh, is equally dense, uh, not quite as political in that sense. It sounds awesome. It sounds awesome to me so far. Um, yeah, and and, I get and the also go ahead. Sorry. Also ahead. written. I, I was just going to say also written in a sort of epic fantasy style. Um, that as you go along, you start to understand the setting much more. And like, it's a delight to sort of revisit or even read for the first time and then go back and be like, wait, wait, did I hear that right? And understand, oh, wait, they're describing something that is not (laughs) epic fantasy. Hmm. So cool. Have you ever read a book by an author that isn't very good that has a, a, a glossary that you need to rely on to navigate through it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, I have. Very much so. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have read Star Wars novels. <laughs> <laughs> so Gene Wolfe <laughs> attacks. Gene Wolfe is – well, he's, he's, a, he's a talented writer who creates a book that you need the glossary for. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. So, I mean wh- – in some ways, when when Carlo first brought this one up, I was a little nervous because this isn't uh, this isn't the waiting pool. Like uh, getting through these books, they are worth it, but they do ask a little more of you than some of the other ones we've gone through. Like one of the things I love about Walter John Williams, besides everything, is his accessibility. This is less accessible, but it's 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 worth the journey. I'm psyched, honestly, even just like looking, but both, both from this, from this pitch uh, and from just kind of looking at at a, the art, which is very cool. It has kind of like a sci-fi Elric vibe to it almost Mm -hmm. uh, to me, just, just, and again, you know, art can be misleading, but, but I like, I like to see, you know, an ominous masked figure in a robe with a weapon and some sci-fi shit in the background looking at me. From the cover of the book, I like that. That's all a good sign to me. Um, the other thing is, as I read the names of the novels uh, of the four <laughs> novels in the series, I'm I'm very much doing the um, the what's his name from uh, from uh, from a WWE uh, reaction <laughs> series where it's like Shadow of the Torturer. That sounds interesting. Oh, oh the yeah, Conciliator. Yeah. Vince, that sounds really good. <laughs> Sword the of Vince. the Lictor. Oh yeah, and then and then the Citadel of the Autark. Hell yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, guys, I am going. It's it's. We have a problem because I need to send you guys a visual. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to send you two pictures, and then you are going to explain them to the audience. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Pete, that's disgusting. (laughs) Give me a second here. (laughs) While we're doing that, what is everyone drinking? Mm. Oh, good call. Yeah, I forgot to I forgot to mention that I am, uh, and this is a a a definitive shout out to uh, Scott H. Andrews of Beneath Ceaseless Skies Magazine. Uh, Excellent, excellent editor, uh, but also 
an astounding beer connoisseur mm. uh, who gifted me Hardywood's Chris, uh, Christmas morning. Uh, basically, it's a gingerbread stout. Uh, so, uh, Imperial Milk Stout with spices and coffee, and it is delightful. Interesting. Also, double shout out because if I'm not mistaken, uh, Scotty Chandru's favorite novel series of novels are in fact the Book of the New Sun. So uh, beautiful. <laughs> so who's next okay, on the drink? Chris. Uh, yeah. Yes, I'll- Pete. I I see the resemblance that you sent us. Thank okay. you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I am drinking a uh, rum and a Diet Dr. Pepper, because that was the mixture I had on hand. What what vintage of uh, Dr. Pepper? <laughs> <laughs> Is, has it been aged? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, give you, they give you the ring, and you like sniff it. Ah, good year. <laughs> good batch. <laughs> so I've got a UFO main blueberry, which I strongly recommend. That's, that sounds good. I've never had that. Um, I did go to so UFO is from Harpoon Brewery, I believe. Oh, um, if I'm not mistaken, and I think it's their their wheat series. Um, and I've I've been to their brewery, uh, which is in Boston, and I almost fucking died uh, walking back from it because here's something that I didn't realize: Boston is cold in a way that Philadelphia thinks it is cold. <laughs> Boston is actually that cold. That's why they talk the that harp- way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> so, so we we uh, we parked our car uh, somewhere else in Boston, and then um, <laughs> we took we took like like a I think it was like a regular taxi because this is pre Uber um, out to the Harpoon Brewery, which is like way at the end of like a pier, like industrial park area. Uh, and then by the time that we got done there, um, we had to go and see. Uh, we didn't had to, but we were planning to go and see uh, the Miyazaki film, The Wind Rises, which is which was a delightful film. We got to see it in theaters, and that was nice. Um, <laughs> How appropriate it seems it seems for yes, your for your yes. story. <laughs> the wind, the wind, very much was rising. Yes, also. Um, so we were walking, you know, probably like ten blocks or or so, uh, starting in this kind of like industrial park area, back to kind of you know the the downtown Boston. Um, and, uh, it got colder and colder and about halfway there, I realized like, this is like dangerous cold, not just like I'm annoyed cold, <laughs> this, is, like, this is like problem cold and we still have, we still have like five blocks and everything is closed and like there's, there's nobody on the street. Um, so we just kind of had to like hustle along by the time that we got to the theater, it was very, very cold. So anyway, that's, that's my UFO, uh, story. Good beers, though. Good beers. <laughs> you make the chowder potty afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You know what, though, we actually, we actually did have chowder uh, at one of the two competing Cheers bars because there's, <laughs> oh. there's two Cheers bars in. Uh, there's, there's actually more than two. Um, there's at least two Cheers bars in Boston. One of them, uh, film was is was used as the interior uh, set. And one of them was used as the exterior with like the steps going down. And we ate at the one that has the steps going down, but the inside just looks like an Irish pub. And that hmm. place was great and did have very good chowder. Um, I heard nothing but bad stuff about the other ones. So we didn't go there. Uh, the, 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 the exterior cheers bar though, I give it four out of five uh, bar stars. It was good. <laughs> anyway, I'm drinking uh, Boulevard. Uh, 
Sugarwood Baklava, which is a barrel-aged imperial brown ale Ooh. with maple syrup and pecan. You're buying Delicious. beer from my backyard, buddy. I am. It's very good. I like I like Boulevard a lot. Um, big uh, big fan. Uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, shout outs to Justin. Um, is uh, from from that vicinity. Uh, and um, before a, bu- bu- before Boulevard had like national distribution, he would periodically bring back uh, beers from there for us. And um, big big fan of their Smokestack series in particular. Anyway, Book of the New Sun. I'm very excited for it. And you know, I I have been steadfastly ignoring <laughs> to, to my to my discredit all of the other read-alongs. So I'm excited to actually take part in one. Although <laughs> I'm gonna really struggle to um to like keep to like to like not just blitz the whole thing. Um, because mm-hmm. that that tends to be how I read a book. I mean, to be fair, uh, Kurt, as I understand it, um, these are all about the rereading uh, more mm. than anything else. Okay, so. Uh, honestly, if you want, if you want to go ahead and blitz ahead, um, uh, that I think that's fine. Um, but of course, you know, uh, I think the issue becomes then that you're bringing information that you already know to like older or, you know, stuff more at the beginning or before Mm. the end of the series or the book or what have you. Um, I will say that I do want, uh, just because it's sort of a funny thing. Uh, as well as offers a little bit of context. Uh, We should probably read the appendix to Shadow of the Torturer first. Um, (laughs) That's That rules. That's a very uh, sci-fi book thing to say. (laughs) It it is also, no, it is also like just, uh, it's mainly, it's mostly what? Like, half or three quarters of a page long. It is not very long. It's just simply, it's almost an afterword by, uh, by, by Gene Wolf. <laughs> Gene. <laughs> okay. So, um, Carlo, okay. c- could you get, could you give a reaction to the two pictures I sent and explain them to the audience? Okay. So one picture is, uh, a picture of our man, Gene Wolf, uh, just, very uh sort of like a very um calm beatific smile with his curled up mustache uh, and um you know seemingly bald as a boiled egg head uh <laughs> staring directly at the camera uh a nice man perfect author and below that is the um i guess the the little face i'm going to call him mr pringles the little <laughs> Blank face has nothing but Gene Wolf's mustache. Yes. <laughs> and a bow tie for some reason. Gene Wolf is Mr. Pringle. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I need to tell you because I just looked this up. Uh, the name of the Pringles mascot is Julius Pringle. <laughs> Julius. I was just, uh, look, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I know that Mr. Pringles is Julius's dad. He wants to, me to call him Julius, but you know. So, so wait, I, I aired on the side of caution. I always thought that the Pringles guys, um, that, that the, uh, so there's, so, 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 so the Pringles guy has a mustache and then he has hair above. I always thought those were his eyebrows, but I now see that they are actually his, like, like a, like a part. So yeah. well, I'm, I'm really, well, I'm really, re- uh, you, 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 you've been talking about how the book of the new sun, re- you know, re- like rewards, like a second reading. So I'm <laughs> for a second viewing of the Pringles mascot. <laughs> Well, I mean, sorry. It's also like a part that you'd expect uh, him 
you know, he's at this photo shoot for these uh, funny little, um, uh, like little uh, potato chips. But you know, he's he's actually late uh, for his uh, barbershop quartet recital. Uh, that's the type of part he has. Yes, yes, along exactly. with his little mustache. Um, um, I, I'm just imagining him put, you know, slapping a a straw hat, a wide brim straw hat on his head as he hurries off to his barbershop quartet. Uh, barbershop quartet. So I, I mean, I think we should probably make it clear the connection between Gene Wolfe and the and Pringles. Well, people... Although I see the appeal of not doing so and just okay. dropping this randomly. <laughs> that is true as well. <laughs> Read ahead, young young listener. <laughs> Maybe you'll find out some more. Yeah, this is like this is like a wall. <laughs> this is like our R A R G. Like, you know, you gotta look it up and make, connect the dots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, I'm I'm quite as clever as Cicada, Chris, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I was thinking, and if we can discuss uh, like the strategy of the read along, I'm thinking maybe I don't know if you guys want to do like every two weeks five uh, chapters, or compress that time in five chapters every week. I don't know. It's up to you. Um, I recommend every two weeks. I'm I think every two weeks is, well, is, a, yeah. is a good idea because then you can fuck up for a week and, and like recover. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is speaking as someone who uh, on pretty much every single reading episode, I pretty much finished the story like right before, <laughs> 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 including one, in, including the one um that I did. Uh, with with Connor uh, a year or two back for uh, for a uh, novella, <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, I gotta read this book." <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So I mean, um, uh, this may end up honestly, given that we could do like five chapter around five chapters. Um, they have anywhere between thirty five to forty chapters each. Uh, chapters are not long. Uh, but they are like, I, I think I'd mentioned it, um, before we started to Chris that they're not very long, but they are dense. Nice. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this could be the year of the new sun for Podside Picnic, to be honest with you. There uh, you go. But that's fine. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm a big yeah. fan of, um, of like early eighties, like very, very early eighties, um, science fiction. Cause it kind of has a weird, it, it has a weird quality all its own where it's like, it's, it's got a little bit of a, a tweak on the new wave usually. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how to put it exactly. Like there's, it, it usually has lost a bit of the psychedelic headiness mm-hmm. of the sci-fi new wave. Uh, that, that that you kind of have in that like you know early to mid seventies stuff, um, and, and it's often kind of had some cross pollination with other stuff that was out there at the time, and you mm-hmm. tend to just get a lot of weird freak stuff that doesn't like easily fit anywhere else. Um, and it's I, I I don't know it's not it's not that it's ironic exactly, but there's something I don't know it's like um it, it almost feels like. Like the sci-fi and fantasy new wave kind of knocked down all the barriers and people went totally buck wild for a little bit. Um, and and then by the early 80s, people had kind of had kind of like pulled back a little bit from 
the the full blown like more cocky and weirdness of like the mid seventies to uh, you know slightly more recognizable um, formats, but you still had that kind of that kind of hangover where you'll get like some really strange conceits. Um, and obviously a lot of that crops up in like, you know, early cyberpunk where you just get really fucking weird stylistic and conceptual decisions and you get, you know, um, that, that kind of like, you get a lot of like weird science fantasy stuff that, that, that comes out around then it's, it's a very interesting era that I feel like doesn't get enough, um, attention because it's kind of, it's kind of an awkward, like neither one thing nor the other era so I, I i'm always excited to dig into a new a new work from that era so i'm i'm very excited for this yeah kind, kind of like where like the aesthetic is like both like kind of like epic uh science fiction fantasy but it also has they're like in like almost like bondage gear kind of stuff like yeah it's, yeah it's like it's like it's like it's like epic psychedelic it's like yeah it's yeah not, it's because like like the sci-fi new wave and like sci-fi fantasy new wave you you, you kind of have the people being like fuck robert heinlein fuck george uh Fuck, fuck J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, you know, screw those guys. They're dead. Boom. And, you know, but but then like by the early 80s, you kind of have like, well, actually, maybe they're not like maybe not fuck those guys so much. But like we, we do like these weird ideas. So maybe. Yeah, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll, it will bring them back into slightly more, you know, traditional fantasy ideas or settings, but just make them really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I see, I see what you mean, uh, Kurt. And, and yeah, there there is something. To that, that I don't know, like this specifically, this book um, is is a very strange. Uh, like it builds a little bit on the word, like the idea of world building. It build, like it, it really takes the different strands of the subgenres that he's working in, right? Dying Earth epic fantasy uh and and sort of like a weird like you said i think like a bit of new wave and he's sort of making elevating each one of those in different ways i'd I'd like to make a comment about this i think authors tend to be a lot more interesting when a bunch of people don't tell them what fucking genre they're in and so that too yes yeah like so since nobody was saying cyberpunk to these poor bastards over and over they were allowed to make their own decisions and came up with something more interesting in my opinion yeah yeah Um, i mean i i think it's it's one of those um resonances pete to your comment that um you know like like for instance i i still find it uh really funny um and Kurt really uh, sort of uh, clued me in on this, that, that yes, in fact, um, William Gibson and Bruce Sterling are the uh, essential uh, forefathers of what we call steampunk. But once that got became a market and it sort of rippled back towards the creative side of the equation, then everything becomes shaped by that sort of... Uh, you know, they're shaped by the fact that it can make money. And it's very strange. It's not that I don't want, you know, writers making money. It's just simply that, you know, if that's your, your primary concern, um, you're, you're, you're much more malleable, uh, like your, your style and what you're interested in doing is much more malleable. And I, I think to your, to your point, Pete, um, it is sort of interesting to see, you know, you're sort of, grasping around as a, as a, as a writer for different ideas and sort of weave them into something that may or may not, you know, 
become its own mm-hmm. thing later on. Yeah. That's really well yeah, put. It- uh, that's unfortunate because I'm about to crack a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll pick up that, that thread. Um, yeah. And to, 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 to tease back to what, what Carla was kind of re- re- like referring to, I, I was, I was, yeah. Mentioning how, yeah. So like, you know, Bruce Sterling and William Gibson, essentially it's, it's not really fair to say they created steampunk, but I think it's fair to say they solidified in the public conscience, like what steampunk was, or or they provided yeah. kind of like a template because there there are there are similar novels in very steampunk ish settings. Um, well, and they sure as hell marketed it. Me. Yes, yeah, and and I mean they were both you know writers at the peak of their careers too, so it was you know it 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 got a lot of notice, it got a lot of attention. Um, well, it, it also I think it just the plain fact that they were super established writers in their own right coming together for this, like to really sort they, they almost you're absolutely right. I don't want to say that they created it because yes, I am certain that there were other things going on before then that uh, sort of were in that same milieu, but. The fact that both of them had the sort of the clout and the power, yes. the star power behind them, um, to just basically knock down any barriers uh, to let anyone who had a steampunk idea, uh, you know, sort of rush rush the line, is is important. I mean, it, it is sort of an interesting. Um, I don't mm. think it's the birthplace, but it is definitely a, a catalyst or a game changer. And, and and what's frustrating about it is that, you know, when when they did it and and when, you know, their their kind of antecedents did it, um, it was something weird and different. And then within a couple of years it got very like codified into something very specific to the point that like steampunk almost became like a grab bag of stock concepts in much the same way that like, you know, cyberpunk did. This is kind of a curse that, that I guess we could say follows those, those two particular gentlemen around for, for, for uh, a few years where it's like, it, it goes from something very weird and different and kind of ill-defined and like exciting to being something where it's like, well, what is steampunk? Well, it's monocles and somebody in a Zeppelin well, I mean, and a top I, I just- hat. And like, what is Bronze. cyberpunk? Well, it's somebody with, you know, a cyber deck and they've got, you know, a, a laser eyepiece and that, you know, a, a, you know, a glowing grid and a big spinning cube. And that's what it is, you know, and, and it, it goes into something that becomes like a stock language that just gets adopted and applied to anything. Well, I, I think the, the irony there is that if I'm remembering uh, the difference engine correctly, um, I've they read were it within the past off. week, so go ahead. Uh, so uh, my notion is that what they were commenting on was the fact that if um, something uh, it, like advanced level computing uh, or mathematics that we have in the current moment were sort of shifted forward in time uh, to you know just at the, just at the cutting edge of the industrial era, uh, that is generally when a lot of steampunk happens, um, you know, basically there would have been uh, a quicker dissolution of like, you know, um, I guess just the, 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 the same pessimism that cyberpunk has, right. Would have just been rolled uh, would have happened much earlier uh, than in, you know, inside in like his, the neuromancer novels or what have you. I think that's quite Um, true. Exploring the same issues. I mean, the, the central idea with the difference engine was that 
uh, Charles Babbage's thinking machine actually worked. And that that led to a, an IT revolution in in the middle of that era. I can yeah. also, um, since here I am trying to look smart, I'm going to take a moment and expose myself as stupid. Um, <laughs> Carlo, is it milieu? Is that what you said? I have heard it said that way. Milieu, yes. I've only seen it written, and I've been pronouncing it milieu for fifty <laughs> years. <laughs> Uh, Pete, I'm sorry. Uh, f- just for saying that, you have to roll initiative. That is a D and D term. <laughs> it is. It is milieu. Yes. Thank yeah. you both. W- w- no, one of those. D- one of those darn French words. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I will. I will tell you um, that uh, for for a long time, I thought that uh, what what happened when when you commit a crime and you get brought before the court was that you are indicted. <laughs> <laughs> so for for a long time i did think rendezvous and rendezvous were separate words <laughs> <laughs> rendezvous is just a, a very strange and 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 left behind festival pete no one celebrates it anymore <laughs> well I'll, I'll, you know what pete I'll, I'll give you one that kills me every time i've heard more than once more than once, someone say that the the downward slope towards the end of a story is the denouement, <laughs> not the denouement. And uh, for the longest time, I was like, what kind of mint? What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> so be, because I, I, I'd like to, to shout out to uh, Decatur, Iowa, the home of Pseudo Sue from Toppling Goliath, <laughs> which is the beer that made me sound like such an idiot tonight. <laughs> nice. nice excellent excellent all right um so uh uh what else i mean i i don't i, I was I have trying to think topic. if i had oh i i was just trying to think if uh there was any other book of the new sun stuff that oh. I, I i had missed but no no go ahead oh uh, so feel free. so i we've one or two of us have referenced this already but i i would love to just hear what people have been reading or watching or um you know consuming uh, lately, in terms of you know sci-fi and, and fantasy media, because I, I I feel like a common criticism that I self apply is I spend a lot of time complaining about stuff that I don't like, and I don't spend as much, nearly as much time complaining not complaining talking about stuff that I do like. Um, so uh, what's what's some stuff that you've liked recently, everyone, or that you've been watching or enjoying or something? Well, um, I'll say that I. What is it? Uh, I, I've been grimly trying to finish, for research purposes, the Netflix Cowboy Bebop uh, series. Mm. Uh, not not as bad as as all that, but also not quite as good as the original anime. But that's another story. <laughs> I'll I'll save that for for what I need to write about it. Um, and uh, other than that, I think I I kept up with the Wheel of Time series, which was fun in um sort of. I feel like the Wheel of Time deserved like a sort of like a, a almost a dumbed down version of the of the story. They they uh, I'm not a huge fan of the series uh, mainly because I stopped reading the books. I think maybe six or seven in or something. There were thirteen. There's too many fucking books. <laughs> um, and the fact that they they just sort of like. M- 
cut down a lot of those subplots. Uh, it is funny to me that that was enjoyable to me, but uh, even funnier is watching the super fans of the books get really angry that somehow they cut these things in the adaptation. It's like, well, that's what adaptations do. I'm sorry. Now, you don't see anyone complaining about, well, uh, anyone uh, in the majority complaining about how Tom Bombadil was cut out of the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> right? Well, fuck off then. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this is revenge for Tom Bombadil. <laughs> um, also, I'm reading uh, Alchemy of Stone by Ekaterina Sedia, I think is her name, um, for an upcoming uh, episode that we're going to be doing with uh, Maddie Lewis of the uh, the Pod Hand. Uh, she'll be coming back to discuss that one with me. Uh, 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 weirdly enough, a steampunk novel. Nice. Um, and uh, also just a shitload of different uh, horror stuff. Uh, just, you know, short stories. Uh, I picked up a copy of Vesterian, the the Ligati-inspired uh, literary magazine. Good stuff. Honestly, oh, yeah. really good. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do mine. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've been reading the Johannes Cabal books by Jonathan Howard which are, uh, I mean, they're candy. I mean, it, it's, uh, I think they're enjoyable, but the, I wouldn't steer somebody to them for anything but entertainment. Um, I've been reading the, uh, the Glenn Cook Grimdark series, The Instrumentalities of the Night. I just started the last one today, so I'm pretty pumped. Um, I realized recently that I haven't read any of the laundry files books by Strauss in a while. So I picked up the delirium brief and I'm trying to catch up to the end. And then finally there are the James P Hogan books, like the gentle giants of Ganymede and inherit the stars. I realized that I couldn't remember what they were about. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm digging through those again. Pete, it's, it's interesting. Um, ha have you noticed that in science fiction, and I, I suspect this has to do with like different eras of scientific discovery, that particular moons of particular planets are very frequently mentioned. Ganymede is very, very frequently mentioned. Europa, very, very frequently mentioned. Io. Io, frequently. And, and it's it's not just size either. It's like specific planets and specific moons. And I suspect it's like, it's like when different things were mapped. In a particular well, year yeah, I, or something. I think I think it probably it would probably uh, I would probably say that uh, when Voyager did its uh, flyby of Jupiter, you could probably put it on a graph and mm -hmm. see a, a spike right there. So because hmm. I definitely remember that that period of time, and you're like, oh shit. I mean that that's also like what 2010 is based off of Europa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did you guys ever read uh, any Varley, like Titan, Wizard, Demon, or any of that stuff? I have not. I have not. Nope. I think that would be worth giving, giving a crack at sometime, if, if you're bored. Uh, or maybe I can dig up a short story that we can hit for a, an episode sometime because like Varley's really good and I would I do want to give him some love because he's, he's fallen on hard times and he's a hell of an author. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, All that right, sounds sure. that sounds great. Um, yeah. I I I I only that that comment only occurs to me by the way because um, 
I've been, I, I wrote a couple short stories recently that I have, I, I am submitting the places that are very much in like, kind of like a, a pseudo golden age um, style. And I was like, well, what, you know, what, wh- where do they set things in the golden age? Well, they set them in kind of like, you know, near earth, uh, you know, so our solar system, it, it, you know, v- very much is kind of like where they set tend to set things um, and very much like a Babylon 5 style where it's like, well, this happens on Mars and this happens on Ganymede, this happens on, on Callisto. Um, and so I was looking at lists of moons and I was like, wow, there's there's a lot of moons in the solar system that never get written about. And then like four hmm. where all science fiction stories take place. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that um, it, it's, it's sort of funny because um, you're absolutely right. Like uh, even stuff like we had, uh, Pete and I had recently reread uh, Gateway for um, uh, Utopian Horizons uh, a forthcoming episode. And, oh, nice. Uh, it, I love those guys. Yeah. And and it is funny because it was written in 78. So it's not even in that golden age, but it's like, it is exactly that. It's like, oh, there's people living on Venus. There's some Mar- Mars people. You know, it's, it's all sort of within the same solar system. And, uh, you know, part of the 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 MacGuffin of the entire uh, book, uh, an asteroid called Gateway, is uh, a chance for humanity to then extend, you know, to a perhaps even interstellar or even intergalactic uh, uh, culture. Um, and, and it's weird because you see that uh, sort of repeated a couple times, but it's not something I feel like it's something that's uh, coalescing more now, mainly because of there's a certain level of pessimism as to where we could possibly go. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so Mars features again, you know, and so on and so forth. But anyway, there's a know. moon called Orcus and it's huge. Why don't we do things around Orcus? That's a <laughs> badass name. Um, excuse me, Pete. That is the planet where the D and D demon lives <laughs> on. We don't want to live there. And it has a moon called Morcus. It's mini Orcus. Wait, 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 wait. So, so, so the the moon has a moon. Yes, the oh, Orcus really has cool. a moon called Vanth with a V, not an X. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, wait, Thank you. Vamp. Thank goodness. V- no, Vanth. Like oh, Vanth, Vanth okay. but with a V. Okay. Is it shaped, is it shaped like Florida? <laughs> no, it's only it's only shaped like uh wisconsin it's it's a knockoff okay so chris your your media consumption habits of re- of uh, of late sure uh so i've been uh i just finished actually today uh the i've been dipping into some crime fiction with uh the friends of eddie coyle by george v higgins nice um it's a slim book but it is um it's it's amazing because it is uh, basically no description whatsoever and it's entirely dialogue and yet like huh. yeah and and like limiting it to that e- even limiting it to almost all dialogue he really paints this picture of like the boston underworld in like the 70s and you could like see everybody in like you know brown leather coats and and like you know shitty mustaches and stuff like that like it's <laughs> it, it's really uh you know to the point um and i the i uh, George V. Higgins, two of his books have been made to some of the best like crime movies ever as, as well, uh, including The Friends of Eddie Coyle starring um, Robert Mitchum in, in the titular role. And then the other one being 
uh, Coogan's Trade, which was turned into Killing Them Softly. So I, I would recommend all those books and those movies. Those are all excellent. Um, and then keeping in with the crime, crime fiction, uh, uh, you know, area, uh, I've been really, really enjoying the Ed Brubaker uh, and Sean Phillips original graphic novel series called Reckless. Um, there are like three books in now, and each one is kind of it's on, on its own, and it's like uh, it's like a, a comic book version of like those like seventies. Um, you know, badass like investigator type stuff, like uh, you know, the executioner or or stuff like that. Um, but it's with you know Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips like classic criminal um style, and it's just like gorgeous looking. It's set in like a, a I think it's like San Francisco or L.A. something like that. Um, just just a really good, really like you know Ed Brubaker. Like they're they're not breaking new ground with any of this stuff. Uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, because it's just like the same stuff they've been putting out for 30 years, but they're just so damn good at it. I don't care. I'll just keep buying it up as soon as, as much as they come out. You, you'll, you'll keep reading that garbage. Exactly. <laughs> exactly and, right. And yeah. by garbage, I mean amazing shit because uh, they're, they're just sort of following um, the, the same vein as sort of criminal, except from the, the private eyes and investigators point of view now. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, and he, he has some like a you know a complicated background, but it's like you know it's like this kind of like sunny uh, noir type type stuff. So which which is I, I really like that like the seventies uh, like L A noir type stuff. Um, and then last night I watched this amazing um, science fiction movie called it's it's like a short movie, so it's like 30, 30 some minutes from Japan called Howl from Beyond the Fog, and it's a puppet kaiju movie. So it's a kaiju movie that is like entirely made with um, puppets uh, and like it's uh, it's not stop motion. It's like um, the kind of animation that like Thomas the Tank Engine would do. So it's like dolls and puppets oh. that they would like, you know, it's it's in real time. Like and like, you know, it's so like they'll like like, uh, like 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 the Thunderbirds. Super, yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly like that. Team and, America, it, but world like, police. <laughs> exactly yeah um but like it's the, the the there's a story of like there's there's this uh this um guy it's in set in the the meiji era and he's going back to his hometown and his twin brother died and he meets his like distant cousin uh and she has some weird connection with with the monster and the monster is this like kind of like this gigantic version of Loch Ness um but it's like all you know set in set in Japan and it's just the animation's incredible. Um, there's some really good um, design work, and it's just really cool to see stuff like this, which is just completely beyond, you know, like mm -hmm. just like diff totally different than anything else is coming out nowadays. And, and it's just, it was just really cool that to be able to get to see that. That's sick. That's sick. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I love stuff like that where it's just like this is different, and there, there's nothing else like this, and there may never ever be and you're like you're kind you're both sad and excited to be seeing it that that's that's the great that's when you know you've stumbled upon something truly unique is when you're you're both excited and sad while yes. you're watching it we're like there's, there's like there's there's nothing after this there there cannot be it, it cannot possibly happen again yeah um so i have I, been I mean, uh oh sorry go, no go i was just go gonna ahead. say that i i i i 
I was going to say that uh, I had that feeling when I was watching. Uh, I caught Delicatessen like on oh, HBO at three in the morning. Delicatessen thought, is so fucking there's, cool. There's nothing, <laughs> they can't make anything after this. And then I was like, oh, but it's made in France. They don't give a shit about that. And we got like City of Lost Children and whatnot. So that's right. Anyway. <laughs> well, there's, uh, Go ahead, there's, Pete. there's uh, uh, Alien. Uh, what was it? Alien. Resurrection. Uh, yeah, Resurrection, which is uh, also. Uh, I forget. I have, Jean Jean Pierre Junet Junot. Yeah, Junet. Yeah, Junet. Yeah. Also, uh, Emily. Uh, I think. Um, oh yes, was yes. it he? He'd said that. Uh, what is it? It's uh, Junot and um, shit. I'm gonna forget the other guy. And he dropped the other guy, and he's like, "Oh!" And suddenly, I made Emily, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. I guess you were just depressed, and your friend wasn't really <laughs> helping you out. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I I have been watching and reading a lot of different things. Um, the thing I've been reading recently uh, is um, so so I, I I literally went the other day to look up a sentence in Neuromancer uh, <laughs> that was towards the beginning, and I was like, uh, I'll, I'll just read it until I find it. And I started reading it, uh, and, I, and I found the sentence a couple a couple pages in, and I just kept <laughs> reading the book. Uh, see, the, the, Kurt, this is this is this is the two mistakes you can do. <laughs> you know, uh, um, is starting to read Neuromancer for just one sentence, so, and think you will not find finish it. So, so um, I believe the very first episode of Podside Picnic is about Neuromancer. I think it might be the first or mm-hmm. the second. Maybe it's the second. I'm not sure. Um, it's the first. Okay, thank you, thank you. And um, I found that very interesting to listen to because. Uh, I listened to it right as I was starting to think about writing fiction and like actually like uh, like invest you know time and understanding writing fiction and I I had never engaged with Neuromancer as someone who thought about prose like I I read it and I was like this fucking kicks ass hell yeah and that was <laughs> that was basically the extent to which I engaged with it you know before um, and so this is my first time really reading the prose. Uh, and I, I kind of approached it thinking back to that that very good Podside Picnic episode with Pete and Connor, um, and it's it really struck me how extreme the stylistic decisions uh, of Neuromancer are. And I I have tried off and on to write cyberpunk, um, and I've never uh, achieved something that I felt like was, was, you know, successful for more than like a hundred words. And I, I've gotten a little bit further recently. And what I've realized is, um, the, it's, it comes so close the the prose comes so close to being disjointed, but mm. never quite falls apart. Like, and, and I have been able to Write something that I am slightly happy with by essentially writing 800 words and then cutting it down to 200. <laughs> it's like the absolute bare minimum before it becomes completely incomprehensible. Um, it's the it's the it's the opposite of the um what is it uh shit uh fuck uh the junkie uh. <sighs> Fuck, man. I, I can't believe I just brain farted that hard right now. Um, <laughs> Talk around. Uh, naked, sir- naked Lunch. Naked Lunch yes, author. Yes. Uh, I see. Yeah. William S. The, Burroughs. William S. Burroughs. There yes. we go. Burroughs. Jesus Christ. I, was, I kept on going. My brain kept on going. It's Faulkner. It's Faulkner. So, no, motherfucker. I know it's not motherfucking Faulkner. Um, anyway, uh, so Burroughs, uh, it's just the opposite of Burroughs, right? Instead of like cutting out the words and pasting them into a sentence, you're actually making the entire paragraph and cutting out words. Yeah. 
It's like it's like like every sentence is like a change of topic. And if if something happens for more than three sentences, it's like it's like it's like astonishing. <laughs> um, so so I've been reading that. That's been a joy. Um, I don't know that I will reread the 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 whole thing. Um, I I actually really want to. I I'm planning on this week starting to read uh, Trouble and Her Friends by by Melissa Scott, uh, which is a 1994 cy- cyberpunk novel. Um, it is a it is apparently an explicitly feminist, uh, very very gay. Uh, cyberpunk novel um and i, I had never heard of, of um, melissa scott and it sounds really cool and i cited it i believe um in my uh my cyberspace essay in blood knife uh, a few months back and so it's been on my to read list and so i i plan on uh, on starting that this week um i've also been watching um so my my my, my wife denise and i have been re-watching uh the matrix and then the the mad max uh series and that's been fun um no great revelations they're both great series uh they they both hold up very well um that that's been fun uh we watched a little bit of seinfeld that was also that that i've never really watched seinfeld i've seen enough of it to know what it's about you know i i appreciate its role in in comedy but you know totally unrelated to anything we've been watching that um I got very into erotic thrillers uh hmm. recently um and i've been watching a bunch of those i watched like body heat uh, that was terrific. We watched uh, Bound, also also uh, by the Wachowskis. Very good. Mm. Um, the one that stood out to me, though, is uh, a, I think it's from 93, called Sliver, with... Mm. Um, uh, it's Sharon Stone and Billy Baldwin. Yes, thank you. Sharon Stone and Billy Baldwin, and it's about, like, it's basically about, like, an, an evil game designer who owns <laughs> a high-rise and has wired it for, like, like voyeuristic surveillance and so he watches everyone in the building i mean this is this is aged uh fantastically kurt he's three things that we hate right now a a game designer a surveillance freak and a landlord you're right but the thing is he's so fucking cool he is the coolest 90s guy possible like there's this scene where so and the, the reason i wanted to watch this film in particular is because um I wanted to, I have a real fascination with things that are like cyberpunk without cyberpunk. Hmm. And this is a perfect movie that is cyberpunk without cyberpunk. It feels very cyberpunk, but there's nothing explicitly cyberpunk in it. It just has that similar style to it. Um, And it's so weird watching it because there's a scene where he walks Sharon Stone seductively around his apartment and shows her his his like Sega CD and his like <laughs> his like uh, Akira poster. <laughs> Hell yeah! He's like he's like playing his like Enigma albums. <laughs> so- I'd forgotten. Oh my god! You you just reminded me. So so Kurt, you're saying all of this, and I have to tell you, I saw this in theaters. Oh, oh my god. It's a great, it's a good film. It's it's fucking, really good. It's, it's good. Cool. It's good. I haven't I haven't revisited it in a, in a while because it's a little trashy. And I it's mean, very that's trashy. Necessar- it's very trashy. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just simply something is like eh, okay. I, I don't need to rewatch this. It doesn't feel like it. It has like these giant secrets or mysteries that I need to solve. No, life. no, not at all. It's it's very obvious what's going on at at, at every moment in the film. But yeah. it, it was it was a fun watch, and it definitely informed my attempts to write cyber punk where i was like oh like because because again like i was saying before one of the challenges of trying to write cyberpunk or steampunk is that 
the the tools of it are so well contextualized now that like it, it's it's hard to not just kind of do like a paint by numbers thing, right? And yeah. so it's useful to watch something like that that has similar themes but doesn't have any of the the extraneous bullshit. And so it's like, oh, that's well, right. This is what it's talking about without all the robot arms and I, you know, I think, laser yeah, claws I think and that, shit. Yeah, I think that it, it, to your point, uh, Kurt, the challenge of trying to get back to like an, uh, an earlier form of, uh, of a subgenre specifically uh, it is about all about the, the work of fiction, right? It's the fact that you need to figure out a way to make it sort of alienated or, or have an ironic distance from it. So it feels weird, but also new and exciting, perhaps even menacing. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and then- it's really difficult because like, yeah, like you said, like it's, it's completely taken its final form. Uh, so far that's everything that anyone wants. Right. And, and it becomes so familiar to the point that, you can have a game called Cyberpunk and you could have accurately predicted everything that would appear in that game. Right. <laughs> As like, well, yes. there's going to be claws on your fingers and somebody's going to have a laser and, you know, you're going to have, have a, a silver cool arm. Car. Exactly. And it's going to yeah. be slightly janky. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's going to get pulled off the PlayStation store. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. And, and so it's useful to, to, this is also, by the way, um, why I love the uh, the the film New Rose Hotel because it takes mm. a William Gibson short story and strips all of the explicit science fiction out of it and makes it just about like two weird businessmen, like kind of like a wash in this weird corporate landscape. It's very it's very yeah. weird. Yeah, it's it's well, and that's what I'm kind of thinking of like the you know the the Big End trilogy or the Blue End trilogy is kind of like cyberpunk without the sci-fi so it'd be it's it's almost like um corporate noir type stuff like yeah, it's exactly. like yeah 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 and, and oh. I, I'll, I'll say just one last thing on the exact opposite end of the spectrum i've been watching all of the works of uh yoshiaki kawajiri who is an anime director um really terrific director of like exploitation like really dirty grody uh sci-fi uh and like like dark sci-fi su- cyberpunk anime Oh, yeah. Um, so he did among other things, he did Ninja Scroll, he did Neo Tokyo, Demon City Sh- Shinjuku, wait, like w- Wicked City. Um, he did uh one segment of the Animatrix. Um, he just makes like really like very aesthetic, kind of I don't, I don't want to say shallow in a bad way, but like they're 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 primarily like style o- over substance science fiction and fantasy things where it's like uh, uh you Kurt, know, it's cool visuals. Those were. Those are the the like the main three posters I would see in the video store. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know what you're influential. getting. Influential. Yeah. Yeah. Very, also very influential. influential. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of tapered off in his career. Um, but a lot of his stuff is so out there. It's just an it's an interesting source of uh visuals. So I, I've just been going back and watching you know a, a variety of his. Uh, work and it's it's been exciting and and interesting and weird and it's nice to just watch something that's just really fucking weird and gross for like an hour and a half and then you're done with it so so it's mm-hmm. been fun excellent all right um I think I well you know what uh the beer on my end hath run dry so I think that that is almost like it's the um the 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 
the hourglass has run out. Yes. It's um, right. Well, it's probably time for me to stop being drunk at you and start being drunk at my wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> um, yes. All right. So uh, I guess we should probably uh, convene our current beer run and uh, keep it going. Um, Chris, Kurt, uh, where can we find your stuff, man? Parents just don't understand podcast about children's media from a uh, critical and leftist perspective. Yep. And I, I just sent uh, a bunch of uh, new tracks, new episodes um, over to our new editor uh, to be edited. And so Hell yeah. we, shall, we shall have some new stuff in the very near future, um, including some stuff that was recorded over a year ago at this point. <laughs> I'm beyond wolf shame. children. Wolf children. Yes! We got wolf children. We got, uh, um, Batman Mask uh, of the Whisper Phantasm. Of the Batman Mask of the Phantasm got some got we got a bunch of great shit coming out soon. Um, and then yeah. also uh, Blood Knife at bloodknife.com and patreon.com slash blood uh, slash blood knife. Um, we just had uh, an an uh, a new essay out uh, from Malcolm Rambert. I think it's Rambert and not Rambert. <laughs> you guys have had but a bunch, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, I he, mean, if, he if, if you heard Abby uh, at all, you know, you know that you definitely know what his handle is. <laughs> yes. yes. Malcolm. Malcolman. Yes. Malcolm. Yes. yes. Well, um, yeah. If I, he, I, I, if I could just back up that this essay is really good uh, and Malcolm is a, you know, animation scholar and it's, it's just, I really appreciate yes. the essay. He so. is a yes, yes. He is a an animation genius. Um, we had him on to talk about uh, Thanksgiving episodes. Yeah. I believe yeah. it was two um, years ago. About yeah, or yeah. about a year ago. God yeah, damn. Yeah, that was a while yeah. ago. <laughs> uh, and um, and yeah, he wrote let us really let us stress there will be new episodes coming out of yep. Parents <laughs> Just Don't Understand. There, there will be. Uh, but yes. go ahead, Kurt. <laughs> oh no, I was just say he 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 wrote a really different piece about kind of the limitations that capitalism places upon children's media and kind of the, the, it, it goes, it goes a lot of different places. It talks about like the way that, you know, adults keep trying to kind of co-opt children's media as like, Oh, this is really like for adults now. And it's, it's just, it's a really fascinating essay and it goes a lot of different places. Um, and nobody else could have written it. Um, if not yep. Malcolm. So it, you should, you should definitely check it out. Um, it is called uh rated G for globalization. Um, and so oh. it is, it is awesome. It is on bloodknife.com. If you go to the homepage, uh, it's 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 on there. <laughs> Excellent. I'd also like to show a, a, a point out that you guys have a number of episodes on uh, what's that show? Podside Picnic. We do. We have a bunch <laughs> yes. of episodes. You can find us on Podside Picnic. We can. You can usually find us on Podside Picnic. <laughs> um, I will say yes, and we've done a bunch of episodes recently. If you haven't listened to them, you should go listen to them. Or you listen should. to one of the other fine episodes. With, uh, with other fine guests. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys, for uh, for sharing some beer and and talking some shit with me. And uh, we'll, we'll get back cracking at the new sun yeah. pretty soon. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we should be trying to get something out to you all around the middle of February. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Chris, Kurt, and, of course... Pete. We'll catch you all at on Podside.